Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us. And I'd like to preach on the thought of a message, better things, better things. Uh, you know, I, you're always looking now, it's Christmas season, people are looking to buy something better. You know, it's the upgrade for this, the upgrade for that. Everyone's getting their upgrade from their Apple phone. Was that September or October? Well, Apple also makes products that make your eyes. Did you know that? Apple's gotten into the they make your eyes feel better. They're called eye drops. So this husband's looking in the mirror and he's a little depressed. And he said to his wife, you know, I let myself go. I'm out of shape. I almost look as round as a Krispy Kreme donut. And he said, he's looking in the mirror down on himself. And he said, honey, he said, can you tell me anything good about myself to make me feel better? And the wife said, yeah, yes, honey, your eyesight is near perfect. <laughs> there was a man that said, I decided to call the restroom Jim instead of John. That way I feel better by saying, I went to the gym this morning. <laughs> Make you feel better, right? We are creatures wired to desire better things. To a sick person, what do you say? Hope you feel better. You know, if someone gets down, and maybe they're, they're downcast, you, you put your arm around them and you say, you know, it's going to get better. Or maybe to a customer, a salesman says, buy this one, it's way better. No money down for three months. You know, you can buy a better bed, but you know, I'm thankful God can give us better sleep. There is something, you know what we're really looking for this Christmas, and I know that you're gonna be bombarded with ads. We got Walmart ads uh, yesterday. So I began to look through all of these things that you have to have. And where I live, they have a trash can right near the mailbox, which is a blessing. So you just go look at your stuff, it doesn't even make it in my house. <laughs> right to the trash can. You know that I'm, I'm, what people, when they're selling you something, and you've got new makeovers, new diets, paleo, keto, Atkins, CrossFit workouts, diet supplements, coconut flour, cricket flour? Have you ever heard that? No? It's ground up crickets. High protein, right? It's the new thing. And they make energy. When you're buying stuff, make sure you gotta find out the ingredients, right? It's in there. Preacher, I'd never eat crickets. That's ungodly. Hold on now. There was a, a well-known man in the word of God. He didn't even grind them up. What did he eat? Locusts and wild honey. Who is that? John the Baptist. So these things aren't new under the sun, but there's always someone trying to say, oh, this is new. By the way, my... My nickname in, in college was Cricket because I ate one too. So I went to a secular college before I was a Christian, ate a live cricket, not cricket flour. I made it in my mouth, cricket flour, like this. What did it taste like? Nothing. You just had to keep crunching until the legs stopped kicking. So, hey, I was a college kid. That's what they do, right? They eat goldfish, right? I ate a cricket, got a nickname. 
But you know that these things, we even transact business. Why? Because it really comes down to a feeling. So if you go take your $5 bill to a certain coffee place called Lots of Bucks, just for example, you know, it's not the real name of it. And they got price. So you take your $5 bill and you give that to them and they give you one coffee. <laughs> and you both walk away happy, right? The person goes back to make the next one. They're happy. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we have to understand we're not here to make trades. We're here to get something better. So they think that that $5 bill is worth more than the coffee. And you think if you spend $5 on the coffee that that coffee is more important to you. That's a lot of money too. Do we do that, Sister Bigelow? <laughs> Goodness. We think that that coffee is more important than the $5 bill. But you see, really when you buy something, you're really not buying the thing. Do you know, I, I've watched people go and they go and they have these little bags and they, they give you this nice bag at the mall and they're carrying them around and everything. It's a feeling. When you go to that retail, it's called, it's psychological. It's called retail therapy. Oh, but preacher, I need that. I have nothing to wear in my huge closet that's so crowded with no extra hangers. No, it's not because we need it. It's because, oh, it makes me feel good. You know what? A, a, a lots of bucks coffee makes me feel good too. I tell my wife, I just stick it in the cup holder and it makes me feel good. It's like an air freshener. You know that that's what men and women, we want better in our lives. Well, Jesus in a parable said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field in which when a man hath found, he hideth. So he finds this treasure that this person doesn't know is in this field, in this lot, this dirt lot, and he buries it again. And it said, for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buys that real estate. He buys that field so he can have the treasure that's in it. Again, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he hath found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So it's a parable that Jesus said, you will get rid of one thing, to get something better. You know that I believe that Jesus is offering men and women some better thing. The Bible says in Hebrews, and it's not a thing that's material. Again, what is the better that we're looking for? A feeling. You know that we're looking for that feeling that that diet provides. The feeling that that new car provides. You know when you got that new car smell? Ah. <sighs> It makes me feel so good. You know, it's toxic. It's a bunch of plastics and everything. You're like, don't breathe too deep, right? But it makes you feel good. They even have an air freshener called new car smell. They'll make you feel like you got a new car. Like that person said, man, my new car is a dream, but my payments are a nightmare. You know, that I'm thankful that that new thing that God offers to us. And what is God talking about? In the book of Hebrews, he said that God hath offered us in Hebrews chapter 11, have provided some better thing for us. What's the better thing? What's the better thing? I believe that God has better for us in every side of our life. The Bible says that God hath provided some better thing. Remember how I shared these were all Old Testament saints. It talks about Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about Moses. It talks about Sarah. It talks about Abel, all of the Old Testament saints. 
One thing they didn't have was the new covenant. That's the better thing. You see, that God provided some better thing. This writer was writing to Hebrew Christians and he was sharing all of these heroes of the faith, but he said, they were missing something. They were missing the cross of Jesus Christ. They were missing the new birth. They were missing the, you know what? I got a, a new phone. You know what happened to my phone? And it provides me better sleep. Say, preacher, tell me about your new phone. I have a two-floor place where I stay, and my phone gets plugged in downstairs at night, and I sleep upstairs. What do you mean? What is that about? It's a new phone geography. It goes downstairs. Preacher, what if someone calls you in the middle of the night? Well, I will go downstairs (laughs) and answer the phone. But... The phone is not right next to my bed, which means, oh, I sleep really good. You know what? And say, a preacher, is it a new phone? Yeah, it's a new phone far away from my bed. You know that what we're looking for is greater happiness. I found it by moving my phone away. Sometimes we don't need more stuff. We need less stuff. And I'm thankful that when you get God, God will give you more of the right thing. He'll give you more peace. He'll give you more Joy. He'll give you more love. But the Bible shares that the Old Testament sacrifices, the Old Testament rituals, were just shadows of what Jesus was to do and his work on the cross. The Bible said God provided some better thing. What's a shadow anyway? The Old Testament has shadows. You know, all those sacrifices were shadows. How do you make a shadow, right? You shine a light on something, and behind that object... There's a shadow cast, right? Where that person or that object is standing, like if it's a building, behind the building, there will be a shadow created by the light that is shining in front of that object. Do you know that's how the Greeks found out that our earth was round? We just recently had an eclipse, right? Well, when the shadow of the earth went over the moon, because the sun was on one side, then we have our earth, And then behind the earth on the moon, there was a shadow. They noticed, huh, the shadow's round. The earth is not square. But, you know, we can tell things out by looking at shadows. There was a lamb that was sacrificed in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, John said, behold, he pointed at Jesus. He said, I see the real thing, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. First of all, the Bible says... What are some better things? Three, three things. Better promises. Better promises. You know, if someone ever made you a promise and didn't keep it, I'm thankful that God will keep his promises. God has made, he's not a man that he should lie. The Bible is full of better. Even in the Old Testament, have you ever read the book of Ecclesiastes? 21 times we see the word better. God begins to promise us better things through his word. 21 times. One of them it says in Ecclesiastes 9 and 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. What do you mean wisdom? Wisdom is better than kung fu? I was watching this clip from an old Bruce Lee movie. Before MMA, there was Bruce Lee. Okay, I don't know if anyone remembers Bruce Lee, but so there was an old movie, and this uh, this kind of this big fighter comes up, and he you know kind of shadow faints and boxes right next to Bruce Lee's head, and Bruce Lee is just kind of calm, cool, and collected, and and the man said, "What's your style? Like, what's your fighting style?" 
And Bruce Lee ignores him for a little while and he said, the art of fighting without fighting. And the man said, show me. And he said, later. He said, show me now. So he goes, okay, but we need more room to fight. They were on a boat, okay? They were in the open water. And the man said, okay, where? And Bruce Lee said, we're gonna go fight on the island on the beach over there. So the man said, okay. So Bruce Lee said, well, get out into this boat. So the man gets off this uh, big boat down into this little dinghy kind of thing. And then Bruce Lee just lets the rope out. <laughs> lets the boat out and kind of lets that man, he said, he said, don't pull yourself up. I'll let the rope go. And he saw that man is in there in the boat and it's catching all this water and everyone on the boat is laughing. What was that? The art of fighting without fight. Now, Bruce Lee could fight. But you see, it says wisdom is better than weapons of war. If you have some wisdom, you don't have to fight. It's actually greater. And I watched that piece of that movie last night. I'm like, man, God knows what he's talking about. The Bible says in Proverbs, now 20 times in Proverbs, that word better. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, when I was a young preacher, I guess I'm still kind of young. We went to visit someone who had come to church and uh, it was skinny me and skinny brother Mallory. So two skinny preachers, okay? And the, we knocked on this door of the person that had come to visit and uh, there was some music and everything. So it took a while. I thought no one was gonna come to the door. I was about to leave. And, and generally we visit when someone comes to our church just to say, hey, God bless you. And so when someone answered the door, they, they had like wild eyes, either they hadn't slept for a long time or there was an influence that was influencing their behavior, drugs, alcohol, something. And uh, so we just said, hey, how you doing? We knew the person. And, uh, and then he said, uh, he said, don't come back or else. Now, if you have a big man who's on, maybe under the influence of some things, who tells you that, the one thing you don't want to say is what some skinny preacher said. Or else what? So you don't think I would have said that, right? But that's exactly what I said. So I said, or else what? And I leaned into him, and it was probably the, the one thing you do not say to a belligerent man. And so he's looking, I could have been a preacher pretzel, right? And he looked at me, and it was as almost as if the peace of God kind of came over him. And he just kind of just like, it, it just was like peace settled over him. And he just kind of just melted. And he said, sir, something like that. He said something like, I just request that unless I request you to come back, you don't return or something. And I was like, okay, sir. And I, I just began to think about that. I could have been in the hospital, but when a man's ways please the Lord, I believe that God even has something better than muscles, better than uh, attack uh, scenarios. And he just touched the man's heart with peace. Brethren, God's way is better. The Bible says he has better promises. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 and verse 39, right before our text, all, and all and these all having obtained a good report through faith, speaking of all the Old Testament saints, receive not the promise. See that God has a better promise. Who is the promise? You know, there are a lot of blessings in the Bible. Have you ever said, hey, bless you, bless you, man. I hope God blesses you. But you know, there's one blessing that's the blessing. 
The Bible said in Galatians 3 and 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the blessing. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Second Peter said, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. God has given us great and precious promises through what? Jesus Christ. That by these promises, we can, we can be partakers of God's nature. You don't want to be happy in life. You know, the Bible, the, the, even our nation doesn't guarantee happiness, but the pursuit of happiness. The Bible said we may be partakers of a divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, desire. You know, unfortunately, the world will tell you if you get this, you'll be happy. You'll get that and you won't be happy. Remember when that new phone was going to make you happy? Like, oh, the phone. Now it's the old thing that's no good, right? It doesn't even work anymore. The battery's no good. Neither is mine. I just plug it in a lot. My battery, it likes to drain out pretty quick, but guess what? Thank God they make a power source. In fact, I have to plug myself in more now. I'm older. My battery's going down. But you know what? God just gets us to change our ways a little bit and get refreshed more and get, uh, change our diets a little bit as we get older so that we can have the things that God promises us through his word. The Bible said God gave us a better promise. The promise is Christ. You know, that better thing that God has for us, there's nothing in this world that's going to hold a candle to Jesus Christ in your life. There is nothing that is going to give you happiness when no one else is around. Maybe people are against you. But if you can have Jesus in your life, you can have joy and happiness can be your companion through Christ. It's a better thing. The Bible said God provided us also a better sacrifice. The Bible said for the law in Hebrews chapter 10, having a shadow. There it is again. The law of Moses was a shadow. You know why the law of Moses couldn't change people? You know when Moses was getting the law on Mount Sinai, they were partying down the hill. I mean, as Moses was getting the law, they're making, they're at the golden calf, you know, uh, swingers club or whatever. They took off all their clothes. This is what happened, right? So Moses is getting the law, how to live for God, right? And down the hill... Aaron is making these golden calves and everyone takes their clothes off and parties. I mean, that's what's happening with the law. And so Moses comes down and goes, ah! Someone said Moses was the worst sinner in the world. He broke all the Ten Commandments. But he literally took the, the, the tablet and he threw them down and he got frustrated. Why? The law could not make the comers perfect. The Bible said it was weak through what? Us, we were the problem with the law. God's law is holy, but God gave us a better sacrifice. The Bible says that Jesus was that sacrifice. When Jesus died on the cross, you see a lamb or a bull or a goat couldn't take away our sins because it couldn't make us a new creature. But when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 3 what the law could not do. In that it was weak through the flesh, us. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus proved it could be done. 
Jesus lived a life without sin, and it was proven that if we could have Christ in us, then we could live a life above sin. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You know, God gives us a new desire. When Jesus comes into my life, I want to do different things. When Jesus comes into my life, you know, I remember uh, as, a, as a young man in college, I would go to the parties and get the beer from the keg and they would, they would serve this stuff called Beast. And it was Milwaukee's Best, which was the cheapest beer. I don't know where Best comes in, but... Uh, and I remember I would drink a little, it tasted so bad. And I was not a Christian, okay? I was like 18. And I remember pouring it out. I'd go find, when no one was looking, I'd look left and look right, and I'd throw, I'd, I'd dump it out. Well, why'd you even do that? I wanted to be cool, right? So I wanted to be like everybody else. Because everyone else was having a good time. That's a lie of the devil, right? And then I'd go get a refill. Man, fill me back up! And then I'd probably go, dump it in the bushes again. But oh, this stuff was gross. But you know that, that what the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. You know, I didn't want to live that fake life anymore. It wasn't making me happy. It didn't give me a desire. You know that there were people at this, at the, you know, the, you know, the beer commercials of Milwaukee's, uh, Milwaukee's Best. I think it was Milwaukee's Best. No, Old Milwaukee. One of these old beer commercials. And these guys are in the boat. They've just been fishing. And he goes something like, he said, Fellas, it just doesn't get any better than this. You know what one preacher said? Right, it gets worse. <laughs> you know, it doesn't get better than that. It gets worse. There's other problems created. But I'm thankful that when we give our life to Jesus, it starts to get better. That our families get better. Our lives get better. Our heart gets better. And that condemnation rolls off our shoulders. We don't have to drown it in alcohol. We can dissolve it with the blood of Jesus. God can give us true satisfaction. The Bible said that the righteousness of the law in Romans chapter 8 and verse 4 might be fulfilled in us. God begins to fulfill the righteousness of the law in us. That you can have peace even when you're at work and everything's going wrong because God's going right in your heart. Even when that law, that light is, you know, green and you got to get somewhere and there's only one car in front of you, but they don't go because they're on their device, right? And so you have to stand through that extra red light, right? Say, preacher, but what, what happens when you do that? You can say, well, you know what? Like my wife said, when we didn't make a place we wanted, I said, God's ordering our steps. Maybe God's stopping you there because there's an accident down the road and God's stopping you from the accidents. God's guiding your steps. There's a better sacrifice. And lastly, there's a better temple. And if you ever read the book of Ezekiel, there's a description in the last uh, eight chapter, nine chapters, chapter 40 to 48 of a temple that's yet to be built in Jerusalem. And it's most likely the millennial temple. It's going to be built there after Jesus comes and uh, squashes the devil uh, and his forces at the battle of Armageddon, chains up the devil and throws him in prison for a thousand years. They're going to build this beautiful, huge temple in Jerusalem. And it's wonderful, it's, it's described in great detail. But you know, in the New Testament, the Bible says, there's a better temple. See, what I mean? but uh, there's a temple in heaven, and there's a temple here, and there's... But Jesus wanted to build a better temple. It says in Acts chapter 7 and verse 48, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples 
made with hands. You know that God made a better temple. You know what temple God made? It's you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. When the Spirit of God came in the temple, it was like smoke, and all the priests, and they would all hit the ground, and the glory of the Lord would, uh, uh, would just descend like a, like, like, almost like a smoke, the weight of His glory, and the light of God would be there. They probably had their eyes shut. When people would see God, they would fall on the ground and be prostrate, but I'm thankful that God doesn't just do it in a building. There is A better temple. There is a better temple. And when God comes in, he brings his riches with him. There's a preacher named Adrian Rogers. He says, make a list of all the things money can't buy and death can't take away. Have you ever made a list in your life of all the things that money can't buy and that death can't take away? You see, when God gives us a better temple, what he was sharing is I've got better riches for you. True riches. Like what? Well, first of all, they'd be eternal things, right? Like faith, hope, love. (laughs) The greatest of these is love and the most neglected is hope. You know, a lot of times Christians neglect hope, but you know what? We have hope, the Bible says, that makes us not ashamed. There is a love that is shed abroad in our heart by the hope that is in us. And uh, I, I, like, um, I like hugs and kisses from my daughter. And I ask her for them all the time. But you know what I tell her? You don't have to do it. Why? Because it's your body. I want, you know, girls need to know. You don't have to give it. Even if it's your dad. You don't have to give your mom or dad a hug if you don't want to. No, I want it. But sometimes she knows. She'd be like, nope. Can I get a hug or a kiss? Nope. And I said, you're going to withhold your love from me? And she said, "Mm mm-hmm. And she just goes and does her thing. You know, God's the same way. God wants to fellowship with us. You know, when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, God was walking in the garden. He said, Adam, I want my hugs and kisses. He said, Adam, where are you? So what did God, God didn't want to judge Adam. God wanted to fellowship with Adam. That was his creation. You know, God's not here to condemn us. His son was condemned so that we could be made free. God loves us. So let me tell you what I do. My daughter says no. Do you just grab her anyway? No. She got to sleep sometime. I wonder if when Adam was asleep and God, you know, because God made man, looked at him and said, I can do better than that and made woman, right? But when Adam was put to sleep, I wonder if God was there giving him a kiss on his cheek. You say, well, God wouldn't do that. It's his creation. It's his greatest creation. I do believe that because I have a child. And when my daughter goes to sleep, I'll go into her room and say, you can't say no now. And I'll kiss her on the arm and I'll kiss her on the forehead. And I'll kiss, I won't hug her because I don't want to wake up because <laughs> then that's another problem. But I'll kiss her all over the place. Why? Because that's my creation. And you know, I wonder if God looks at you and looks at, and he said, well, God just hates me. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. And that's why he went to the cross for you. He desires, he's the one that comes into your room at night and says, man, that's my greatest creation. I love them. So preacher, but I'm imperfect. Well, God's got a better sacrifice. God's got better promises and God's got a better temple. He wants to come live inside of you if you let him. 
Adrian Rogers said that these gifts death couldn't take away and that money couldn't buy, so they'd have to be unpurchased, right? They'd have to be a gift. If money can't buy them, they would have to be someone would have to give it to you. The Bible says that you are saved. By grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. See, God has better things. He said, preacher, but I'll pay for it, but you know what? It's not for sale. God said he'll give it to you, though. He'll give you something better than this whole world can give. There's no price tag on God's salvation. He wouldn't sell it. It's too expensive to buy it if it were for sale. But God said, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you something better. And you know that when we have Christ in our life, we begin to say, you know what, man, if God comes into my life and and he gives me better for all the, the wrong I've done, that influences us that, wow, you know what? That I can pass on what Jesus has done in my life. You know, there's three roads, right? There's a low road. The low road is to treat others worse than they treat you. That's the low road. Anyone ever taken the low road? (laughs) Probably I'll take it. The middle road. The middle road is to treat others the same as they treat you. That's the middle road. Preacher, that's what we should do, right? Treat someone the way they treat us. No. There's another road. There's a better way. There's a better thing. There's the high road. You know what the high road is? The high road is to treat others better than they treat you. What did Jesus say? He said, but I say unto you, how do you treat your enemies? What do you say? Kill them. No, he said, love them. Pray for them. Do good to them. Bless them. It's still on my bucket list. I want to bless someone who curses me. I mean, who curses me out. I want to say, sir, ma'am, can I put my hand on your head and bless you? Because I want to fulfill Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, because that's what Jesus did to me. I grew up not knowing his name, not knowing the power of God, living my own way, using his name inappropriately. What did he do? He drew me to him. He drew me to a church service. He drew me to a place of prayer. And I got something better. Now I've got better promises. Because there's a better sacrifice. It was Christ. And there's a better temple. And the temple's you. But with heads bowed and eyes closed in reverence to the Lord and nobody looking around. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 40. God having provided some better thing for us.